You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So last week we ministered on being a, endeavoring to be a doer of the Word. To be a doer of the Word is not always that easy. It's easy to tell people what to do, but to do it yourself is completely something different. We have to endeavor to be doers of the Word of God. I want to continue this morning to minister on what should I do? What's required of me for the Word of God to live in me? Family, the secret to life, to live by faith, is just to be a doer of the Word. Every day, living in the Word is what allows us to live by faith. When you believe what the Word of God says and you do it, you start to walk in the light of your testimony. You become a doer of the Word, and therefore you are living by faith. And it's that kind of faith that pleases God when we are obedient to the Word of God. That means every day I have to view my life in the light of God's Word. It is the Word in me and myself in the Word that changes everything. Changes my view, my opinion about my situation, what I'm going through right now, is when I view it in the light of God's word. I mean when I get God's opinion about that situation. For the word to be on the inside of me or to live in the word, what is required of me? Number one, the first thing that you should know, God will never ask us to do anything that's impossible. So when he asks you to do something, It is for your own benefit. You know, Abraham, the father of faith. It was his obedience. When God gave him instruction, he obeyed. When you look at great men of God, Elijah, Elisha. Why did God obey the words of Elisha? It's because Elisha obeyed God's word. It's a mutual relationship. With mutual trust, mutual love, mutual commitment. A matter of fact, those are the only relationships that God honors when it's mutual. You want Jesus to love you, but do you love Jesus? The good news is God has made a way. Amen? God has made a way. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew 12. I'm going to read from... The Passion Translation. You know, as I was preparing, I was thinking about Daniel. The Bible says he prayed three times a day, giving thanks to the Lord. And even Daniel being a man who gave thanks to the Lord three times a day, the devil did not wait one minute to plot against him, but immediately took action against him. Peter, exactly the same in the New Testament. Jesus said, I've prayed for you. The enemy wanted to take you out, but I've interceded for you that your faith will not fail. In this world, if we want to live by faith and we want to please God, we have to take attention or give attention to every word that we speak. Every word that you say. Everything that we know, everything that we can see was created by words. Can you imagine that everything... Sometimes situations and circumstances are created by words. 
wars start because of words. Most of the problems, the challenges that you are facing are tongue problems. So God gives attention to every word that we speak. Not just the words that we speak when we are in church, but when you are not in church. Amen? The SMSs you are sending, the emails you are sending, God is aware of every word. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. You must determine if a tree is good or rotten. You can recognize good trees by their delicious fruit. But if you find rotten fruit, you can be certain that the tree is rotten. The fruit defines the tree. But you who are known as the separated ones, God has called you, God has anointed you. If you believe God has anointed you, it means He has separated you. To be anointed means that you are separated unto the Lord for a specific assignment. David was anointed as king. Saul was anointed as king, separated unto the Lord for a specific task. You've been anointed for a specific reason. But you who are known as the separated ones are rotten to the core. You've been poisoned by the nature of a venomous snake. How can your words be good and trustworthy if you are rotten within? What has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When the virtue is stored within the hearts of good and upright people, will produce good fruit. But when evil is hidden within, those who are evil will produce evil fruit. You can be sure of this. When the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Your very words will be used as evidence against you and your words will declare you're either innocent or guilty. Oftentimes we just say things, random words, but God is aware of those words. Sometimes just send an SMS to somebody. It's words that you have spoken. Things that come from your heart. An email that you send quickly. God is aware of all those words. Bible says our words will be the very thing that will declare us innocent or will be the things that will judge and condemn us. Can you see why it's so important to view everything that we say in the light of God's word? A matter of fact, your words paint a picture of your life. You don't think so, but we can see by what you say what's going on. It's painting a picture. If I come into the church, grumpy, leave me alone, don't speak to me. Some people, they have a chip on their shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? Some of your family members, they've got like a thunder cloud over their heads. Their words, their actions are painting a picture. You think you're not saying anything. I didn't say anything. Are you grumpy? Did I say I'm grumpy? I'm not grumpy. Your words are painting a picture. How's the painting of your life looking? With our words, we create things and situations. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 14. Family, listen to me. If 
what you are talking about is vain and idle. It's because your heart is vain and idle, is what the Bible teaches us. If what we are saying is vain and idle, it's because our heart is vain and idle. We must be very careful what we say. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what's going on in your heart? Oftentimes what we talk about seems to be empty. There's no substance in it. We look at our situation, our circumstances, how we are feeling, our emotions. And we talk about these things. Instead of declaring the word of God into our situation. If the word of God is dominating your heart, even when you find yourself in a difficult situation, the word dominating your heart is what you will declare. But if there's idle things going on in your heart, that's what you will talk about. Why should we guard our hearts? Because out of our hearts, the issues of life proceeds, comes forth. Most of the issues that you have is because of things going on in your heart. Things that you believe about yourself. Things that you believe about your situation and your circumstances. Say, Aina or Amen. John 1 verse 14. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. That's the Passion Translation. The New Living Translation says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The New King James says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible says, when the word became flesh, the law was already given. Is that right? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That's what the Bible says. This is the law. This is the law. If you broke one of the commandments, you were guilty of all of them. Because if you broke one, you became a lawbreaker. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches us. And if you go to verse 17, it says, through Moses, the law came. So the Bible says when Jesus came, it was grace and truth that entered into this world. Okay? I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ, when he manifested, he had truth and grace. The law is the word of God that was given. Is there any of you that you kept the Ten Commandments this whole week and didn't break any of them? Raise your hand, please. Nobody. Okay, so all of you are lawbreakers. In the church. Oh, my word. I think I'm preaching to the right people here this morning. This is me trying to live a good life. Okay? But I have the Ten Commandments that's coming down on me. Can do nothing about it. If you try and wrestle with it, it will overtake you. It will break you. Did he break the law? Did I break the law? Yes. Am I guilty? 
Yes. So you have Moses' law against you here. The Bible says, as a tender plant, he started growing. When a plant is tender, you put a rod next to it. The rod that we have in our lives is the law. So when Jesus started growing up, he had the law next to him as a pole. It doesn't go to the left or to the right. But as he grew up, he fulfilled the law. He never broke the law. But when he manifested, all of us have the law against us. Am I right? All of us. The truth is, you have broken the law. But when Jesus manifested, who is the word and the truth, yes, the truth, yes, grace. When Jesus came, it was grace and truth. If it was truth, when he came, it was the truth. He would have said, yes, you are guilty. You have broken every one of the laws. But when he manifested and he came, it was grace. You are saved by grace. Not about the truth about yourself. Am I helping some of you here? Go to, go to John 1. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he, has, he was before me. Verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace came through Jesus Christ. Grace is a person, Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the word of God, how are we saved? We are saved by grace through our faith. That we put in the complete work upon the cross. Not our works, not what you've done. Most of you feel condemned because you're looking the whole time of what you've done. You're looking at what you are going through, your situation and your circumstances. And you view it in the light of what you are seeing, what you are hearing, what you are feeling. And now you start to declare that. But if you hold on to grace and you get his opinion, your confession will change completely. You are saved by grace. The law brought judgment. When you go read Galatians 3, you'll see Paul mentions specifically, he says, 430 years. Before the law was given, God made the covenant with Abraham. 430 years before the law was given, God made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham walked in obedience, and because of his obedience and his faith in God, it was accounted to him as righteousness. So this righteousness is not based on what you've done. When you believe that Christ has received your sin and that you have become his righteousness and he's next to you, your speech will change immediately. When you're not aware of Jesus' presence and believe that he's with you, you'll say whatever you want to. If you are slandering and backbiting and talking as if the world, the way that the world talks, the only difference between you and the world is you come to church. But you're doing exactly what they're doing. What's different in your life? 
your confession should change. In the Welsh revival, when all the miners got saved, they had to replace all the donkeys in the mines. Do you know why? Because the donkeys only responded to swearing and cursing. And as soon as the people got saved, their tongues also got saved. When Jesus dominated their hearts, he dominated their language. And the donkeys would not listen to them anymore. Because where they used to say, donkey, please go now. Or come, go. It was bleepity bleep bleep bleep. And the donkeys understood that language. <laughs> Hello. When you have a conversation with people, do you sound exactly like the world? Or something changed on the inside? When you've allowed the word of God to come and dominate your heart, a lot of things in your life will change. Remember the declaration that we made. The declaration that we made. With meekness, I receive the word of God into my heart. It's not that difficult, family, to change. You just receive the word of God into your heart. It's a gift that is given to you. The miracle that you are seeking, the change in your life that you are seeking, the breakthrough that you are seeking, is because of a result of Christ's righteousness. Remember Jesus said, what's easier to say you are, you've been healed or to say that your sins have been forgiven? He said, what's easier? He said, it's exactly the same. Why? Because righteousness brings salvation into your life and righteousness brings a miracle into your life. Do you know what's the good news? That righteousness that we are talking about is not based upon what you've done. That righteousness is a gift. When you believe that you've received that gift of righteousness, your language will change immediately and will become more righteous. Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1 verse 21. Carelessly talking about your situation is because you have a careless heart. Vain words come from a vain heart. We should give Jesus Christ the rightful place in our hearts. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. What makes us different, the thing that God values most about us, is not what you see with your eyes. It's beyond human comprehension. Because in our hearts we are made to be like Jesus Christ. That's what makes us different. To be like Jesus. Go think for one minute. What has your conversations been like? Or what has it been about the past week, the past month? Ask yourself what's dominating and ruling your heart right now. You have to examine your heart. Stop pretending, stop comparing yourself to others. Pretense is the disease that holds people back. Pretense is the disease that holds people back. Be real, be honest, view your heart in the light of God's word. Go look and see what's really going on. If we say one thing with our mouths but we believe another with our hearts, is that not a hypocrite? If, I come, if I'm angry and offended with Brother Simon here, and I come and I greet him, I say, Good morning, Brother Simon, how are you? It's so good to see you, man. <laughs> but in my heart, I'm angry. I'm offended. 
it's these things that hold us back in life. Pretending, pretense. Be real. Amen? Rather allow the word of God to deal with that thing in your heart. When I have forgiven him, now I'm a Christian, I know I have to forgive him. But in my heart, I'm still feeling... You know what I'm talking about? When you don't deal with that, that becomes a grudge. And now you're training your heart to keep grudges. We should ask God to grant unto us a humble heart, a sincere heart, a heart that is quick to forgive, a heart that does not bear grudges. This is the challenge. This is the greatest gift. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God sanctifying and cleansing our hearts. Paul says now in Ephesians, as Christ has forgiven you, sanctified you, cleansed you, released you, forgive others. Do you believe Jesus has forgiven you? Forgive others. Say, this is an old habit of mine of the past. A bad habit. Maybe whatever. You, you know what is your bad habit. And now I become born again. Jesus saves me. I'm connected to Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus now. I'm saying, okay, Jesus, let's walk into the future, the good things that you have planned for me. But as I say, okay, Jesus, start leading me where we must go. Jesus, show me where we must go. Lead me. I'm taking these bad habits of mine with me. What has changed in my life? I'm still connecting myself to the things of the past, sin. And whatever sin can do to you, the devil can do to you. So sometimes as Christians, we want to serve Jesus and say, Jesus, lead me. But we are holding on to Satan's devices. By not letting go of the past. But if I let go of the past, now I can move forward quickly in what God has got for me. Now my confession will change. What is that device of the devil that's keeping you back? The Bible says, not, let's not be ignorant concerning the devil's devices. His plans. 99% it's offense. Are you in James chapter 1 verse 21? The question we have to ask, what shows that you're a Christian? What makes you a Christian? It's not worshipping Jesus here in the church and saying hallelujah. But does your hallelujah belong to him Monday to Saturday? Or are you just pretending here on a Sunday? James 1 verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness, all filthiness, filthy speaking, filthy deeds, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Is he writing this to unbelievers or is he writing this to believers? He's writing this to believers. He says, lay aside all filthiness. Let go of that nonsense in your life. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Don't feed your heart with things that are not from God. 
what you watch, what you listen to, what you meditate upon will affect your heart and will affect your speech. You cannot expect God results if you don't align your word, your, your life with God's word. If you want God results, it's God's way of doing things. Let go of it. Let go of it. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. If your heart is full of unforgiveness, you cannot forgive. If your heart is full of pride, you cannot be humble. When your heart is full of greed, there's no self-control. When your heart is full of self-pity, there's no hope. When your heart is dominated by doubt, there's no faith. When your heart is dominated by hatred and grudges, there's no love. When your heart is dominated by evil deeds, it's very difficult to do good deeds. Can you see how much we need the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit of faith, forgive my doubt. Holy Spirit of hope, forgive my self-pity. Holy Spirit of humility, forgive my pride. Holy Spirit of self-control, forgive my greed. Holy Spirit of goodness, Forgive my evil deeds. Holy Spirit of love, forgive my grudges, my unforgiveness, my offenses, my hatred. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and impart righteousness into our lives. Your biggest challenge is that you're comparing yourself to others. And because you're comparing yourself to others, you have a lot to say. Listen, what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.19. I'm closing with this. But the firm foundation of God has written upon it these two inscriptions. The Lord God recognizes those who are truly His. And everyone who worships the name of the Lord Jesus must forsake wickedness. If you want to worship God, forsake wickedness. In a palace, you'll find many kinds of containers and tableware for many Different uses. Some are beautiful inlaid with gold and silver, but some are made of wood and earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions and some for everyday use. But you, Timothy, must not see your life and ministry this way. He's saying to him, don't compare yourself to others. Don't look and say, okay, this person looks like this. He drives this car. He stays in this house. This one's got a gold chain. This one does not have a gold chain. This one has this kind of a watch. This one. Many of you, when you're looking for pastors, you look at the outward experience, uh, expression of what the person looks outwardly like. He must walk like a pastor. I don't know what. But they're not such in heart. He's saying to them, to, to Timothy, don't look outwardly. 
at who is more honorable. Because from a natural point of view, you're going to miss it. Somebody can be a clay jar. And they can be more honorable. Because they've taken the time to sanctify and cleanse themselves on the inside. He says the vessels of honor don't look outwardly, but look inwardly. This is the mistake that you make. You think how they are dressed, how they look, how they've brushed their hair, combed their hair. Do they have a, a ring on the finger, a gold chain? How do they talk? And you determine through that way which are vessels of honor and dishonor. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced. For you are to be pure container of Christ and dedicated to the honorable purpose of your master. Prepared for every good work that he gives you to do. It says, if you sanctify yourself from these latter things, you'll be a vessel of honor. So it's not how you look on the outside. But why do you look on the inside? Run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lusts of youth. And chase after all that is pure. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must become your holy pursuit. Live in peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus with a pure heart. Stay away from all the foolish arguments of the immature. For these disputes will only generate more conflict. My wife always says, it's not your circus, it's not your monkeys. <laughs> Don't get involved in things and start to argue about things that got nothing to do with you. You'll just become part of the circus and soon you'll be one of the clowns. You say, how did I end up in this? Because you always want to give an opinion. Amen? Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must become your holy pursuit. And live in peace with all of those who worship our Lord Jesus with a pure heart. Those that are worshiping God, let's not argue with them. If they do things different than us, let's not judge them. Amen? Let them worship God. Let us worship God in our own way. Stay away from all the foolish arguments of the immature. For these disputes will only generate more conflict. For a true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative, but gentle towards all and skilled in helping others see the truth, having great patience towards the immature. Family, be very careful what you're feeding your heart, what you are looking at. You cannot expect godly results if you're feeding your heart with the devil's devices. You cannot expect godly results if you want to argue with everybody. Jesus wants to bring peace and he places peace in our hearts that surpasses all understanding. Not as the world gives, but a peace that comes from Jesus. So even when somebody is arguing with you or you find yourself in a conflict situation, still keep your peace. You can still keep your peace. Don't start to behave like the world. Keep your peace. Pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Get God's opinion, God's view about that situation and you'll see things will start to change in your life. Allow the word of God to live on the inside of you and you'll see how it will change your life. It's nonsense to confess Jesus Christ and to live contrary. If you say you're a Christian, then live like a Christian. The thing that struck me in preparing this message 
our words paint a picture. Not only when we're in church and we shout hallelujah, but Mondays to Saturday. What are you putting on the canvas of your life? The words that you say. You cannot come here and say, Jesus, I love you. Bless you, my brother. And then Monday to Saturday, you are cursing. You're living contrary. This is the thing that's keeping people back in life. Do you believe Christmas is real? That Jesus came into this world? If you believe that he really came, let's be real. Let our words line up with what's going on in our hearts. Let our confessions have our hearts full agreement. And let it be the word of God dominating our hearts that we may confess the word of God. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have allowed sweet water to flow the one minute and the next minute bitter water. Jesus says that cannot be. If you are born again and you are linked up with the fountain of life, let that fountain of life dominate your heart, your speech, and everything. It's when we receive the word with meekness, it saves our souls. It changes our speech. It's not that difficult. We just have to bow the knee and say, Lord, I submit myself to your word and to your will. It was Abraham that just said, yes, Lord, you've asked me to sacrifice my son. I'm going tomorrow morning. And even when he did that, when his servant said, where are you going? He didn't say, oh, my God, you're not going to believe it. I have to go kill and sacrifice my son. Just stay here and pray for me. Hopefully I'll make it back. You won't believe what God has asked of me. No, he didn't. He said to the servants, you stay here. Where I'm going, you cannot go. Me and the servant, we're now going to worship God. Because the word of God was dominating his heart. He knew that his son came from God. He knew that he could only give God that which came from God. And he knew if God has given you something, even if he had died, God would raise him from the dead. And he would change his whole situation. And that obedience made him the father of faith. And that faith was accounted to him as righteousness. And that's what we receive today. Amen. Make a decision this Christmas to be a blessing. Jesus came to be a blessing. We bless people with our words. The things that have been linking you to the devil, cut yourself, release yourself from those things and enter into the new year. It's going to be a year with a difference. If you hold on to all of those offenses and carry them into 2018, how different will your offenses be? But if you let go of it and you say, Jesus, I'm walking with you, how different will your life be? Even if you're the only two going with the 12 into the promised land and they say there's giants, you'll say we'll be able. And it will be that different spirit on the inside that will allow you to be victorious. Don't wait for that moment. Start confessing that now already. 40 years later, Caleb said, we'll be well able. Give me my mountain. I'm ready to come at 80. There was something different about him because God's presence was with him. He was declaring God's word. He had God's opinion about his situation and it changed his whole life and his family's life. Seal up. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.